Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Thank you. You may all take your seats. That guy's a genius how he did that. Like he's teletransported into the room and you all you all stood responding to the hologram, which is wonderful. <laughs> Hey, well, it's always a pleasure to be here. I love coming to Sydney to be with the Hills family. And I was with the Gold Coast family last week and then the Redlands team the week before. They've become Beacon Church. So you're expanding. I had trouble finding a car park today. So all the people up the back, God bless you all. And what great uh, foresight of your leadership team to bust down the walls and push them back to make room for what God is wanting to do here. So I'm part of a a preaching series. Uh, It's about being devoted about um, having our affections and focus on the things of God. And uh, I'm going to start with some helpful, for some helpful tips. There's many families here today. You've got kids, but Valentine's Day is coming up soon. Gentlemen, pull out your phone and, and make sure you remember to do something nice for your loved one. I'm just one brother helping another brother. How to stay out of trouble. Had a good time with the men, with the men yesterday. What I, love, what I love about Valentine's Day is uh, I love my family and, my, and I take my, my young adult daughter who I'm still trying to get married off. I take her out on Valentine's Day and just show her nice things and I take her to a nice restaurant and I'm letting her know that's the standard that you need to be expecting from now on. But one thing about Valentine's Day is uh, Valentine's Day when I was 19 was the most amazing time because I was in a church just like this on a Sunday. And a preacher outlined a message of what it meant to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. At the end of the message, he said, who would like to pray a prayer to ask Jesus Christ to come in your life? And as a 19-year-old man, I said, I said yes. I put up my hand and I, I prayed a prayer and invited Jesus Christ to come into my life. So I love Valentine's Day because that's the day that God dropped a, dropped a love bomb, a kindness bomb on me. And I, and I literally, my life was transformed and my life has never been the same again. So what they did at the end was they trying to sign someone to disciple you, to come alongside you, which is a good thing. But I just knew then what I had to do. I had to go home, I had to find a Bible and then I had to read it. And then I had to do exactly what the Bible said. So I went home and I, and I found this Bible, the Transformer it was called, it was pretty beaten up. Guidance from God at the crossroads of life. And I just remember having this Bible and taking this Bible with me wherever I went. I underlined it. I read it. I circled it. There's holes in it from where the highlight has gone through and the pencil's gone. I developed messages. My life group leader asked me to share a little story about a teaching from the Bible that I'd read. My life began transformed by this. Like, it was almost like I had to wear asbestos gloves because this book was radioactive. It was like drinking liquid plutonium. And I was a young trainee chartered accountant at the time. And back then we had briefcases and I had a briefcase on my lap and I would read this Bible and people on the train would ask me, what is, what is it about? And I said, it's a transformer. It will change your life. And it looked at me real weird. I had no shame. I, 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 was, I was declaring the goodness of what I'd found. I remember going to lift one lunch and one of the senior partners of the accounting firm, what's that? What's that, Andrew? I said, it's the transformer. It'll change your life. It's just a wonderful sense. Um, as I read the Word of God, some, some things began to happen. I re- began to realise that, that the, this, the, the, this Bible contained many powerful truths and I've got some on the screen here. 
God's Word provided guidance and direction for my life. I found that God's Word contained eternal truth. I found that God's Word helped me to fight against sin. And when I studied and meditated on God's Word, it helped me to become more and more like Jesus. God's Word transformed me by its indwelling resident power and God's Word equipped me better to serve Him. And as I read the Word of God, verse after verse, chapter after chapter would leave these powerful truths with us. Look at these two here. Psalm 119 was one of them. Powerful, it says this, The Word of God is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I began to see that happening professionally in my career, in my relationships. Look at the next verse here as a, as a punchline as I, as I read the Word of God. The next one says, I think it's 2 Timothy from memory. 2 Timothy 3.18, it says, Every scripture is God-breathed and was given by Him by inspiration from instruction. And it helped me, um, it corrected error in my life and it, it created in me a life of disciplined study. I began to realise that this book, this Bible, this manual for living was given to me as a gift by God to help me to live the life I'm meant to be living. Then I added a little bit of logic and a bit of research to my passion and to my emotion and my, whole, my spirit was alive. And at the time, there was a great writer called Josh McDowell. And what he did was he would come from a legal background and he researched the Word of God and he came up with a, seri- a book with a series of uh, arguments or, or evidences about the uniqueness of the Bible. Now, the Bible is so unique. Unique means this. It means different from all others having no like or equal. And, and he couldn't prove that the, the Bible was the Word of God, but he laid a case for the, the, the Bible's uniqueness around a series of, ever, uh, a series of error, errors, areas. I found that as I began to read the Word of God, my allegiances in my heart, my desires begin to shift and I begin to start to love and be interested in the things that God was interested in. It's an amazing thing as I added some research and some knowledge and some logic to this fire that was being lit in my heart by the Word of God and and a loving God shining in my life. I realised that the Bible is unique in its archaeological evidence. It's unique in its historical evidence. It's unique in its manuscript evidence. It's unique in its continuity. It's unique in its circulation, in its translation. It's unique in its survival. It has survived through time. The Bible has survived through persecution. It has survived through relentless criticism over centuries. It is unique in its teaching because it contains prophecy and history and different personalities. It's unique in its influence on the surrounding world and its surrounding literature. I began to be captivated by this book. And here's here's an example of of, of its continuity. It's been written over a 1,500 year span. It's been written over 40 generations, written by over 40 different authors from every walks of life, including kings, peasants, philosophers, fishermen, poets, statesmen, scholars. For example, Moses wrote a chunk in the early part. He was a political leader and he was trained in the University of Egypt. Peter was a fisherman. Amos was a herdsman. Joshua was a military general. Nehemiah was a cupbearer. Daniel was a prime minister. Luke was a doctor. Solomon was a king. Matthew was a text collector. And Paul was a rabbi. 
It was written in multiple places. Moses wrote portions in the wilderness. Jeremiah wrote when he was in a dungeon. Daniel wrote on a hillside and in a palace. Paul wrote inside from inside prison walls. Luke wrote while he was travelling on boats and walking. John on the Isle of Patmos and others in the rigours of military campaigns. It was written at different times and seasons, like David wrote in times of war and Solomon wrote in times of peace. The Word of God was written during different moods of the different authors, like for instance, some was written under the inspiration of Holy Spirit at heights of joy, while others were writing from the depths of sorrow and despair, writing laments as outlined in Lamentations. The Bible was written across three different continents, Asia, Africa and Europe, written in three different languages, Hebrew, Aramaic and Greek. It is the subject of many controversies and it speaks life and wisdom in the difficult circumstances of life. The Bible tells life as it is. Like for instance, it has contained some amazing things. It contains a story of, of a donkey talking to a man because he wouldn't listen to God. It's got, a, it's got a story of Jesus walking on water. You get miracles of multiplication. You got um, the work of God, the power of God transcending weather and human endeavours. And you see the tragedy in the Bible tells it as it is. There was one dark time with God's people where a woman was murdered and they cut her body into 12 different pieces and sent it to the 12 leaders of the nation at the time and say, guys, we've got to get our act together. Something seriously is wrong when we don't have God in our lives. One thing I love about the Word of God is it tells the truth and it speaks life. And the overarching theme across all that narrative of the Bible is this, one single big story, which is God's redemption of mankind and His plan for you and me to come into a loving relationship with Him. The Word of God is also unique in its inspiration. In 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, Every scripture is God-breathed, given by His inspiration. It's profitable for reproof and conviction of sin, correction of error and discipline and obedience, training in righteousness, in holy living, in conformity to God's will, in thought, purpose and action. That's what the Amplified Bible says. It was unique in its inspiration. And then it says in 2 Peter 1.21 that, no prophecy ever originated because some man willed it to do. It never came by human impulse, but men spoke from God who were born along or moved along or impelled by the Holy Spirit as they were writing. Because the Bible is unique in its inspiration, you and I can pick up this book. You may want to do this this afternoon or tonight or before you go to bed or when you wake up in the morning. This is often what I pray. Holy Spirit, I open my heart and mind to you as I come to read your word. Holy Spirit, you were there inspiring the multiple writers of this cohesive, internally consistent book. Holy Spirit, coach me now. Speak to me. You're the God of illumination. You're the God of insight. Speak to now as I read your word. I open my heart and mind up to your truth today. It's a powerful thought that Holy Spirit and God can help us to be like Him. The final area that the Word of God is unique is that it is living and it is active and it still speaks to you and I today. The Word of God says this in Hebrews 4 verse 12, and I'm reading again from the Amplified. It might take me a couple of days to get to the end, but it's full of truth. For the Word of, that God speaks, it is alive and full of power, making it active, operative, energising and effective. 
It says, it is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating to the dividing line of the breath of life, the soul, and the immortal, the spirit, and of joints and marrow, which is of the very deepest parts of our nature, exposing and sifting and analysing and judging the very thoughts and purposes of the heart. It's, it's so powerful that the corruption of this world cannot penetrate God's Word. It cannot deteriorate its reality and it cannot decay its truth. It says in Isaiah, the grass may fade and the flower may wither, but the Word of our God, it stands forever. The Word of God, the Scriptures has life-giving power. The Word of God is perennially fresh in every generation. Any person who picks up this Bible and opens their heart with a heart of faith and expectation, the Word of God will speak to you because it is living and it is fresh. I've read many parts of the Bible many times and sometimes it's the most amazing thing that happens. A verse that I, God showed me one truth out of it then brings a different flavour, a different fashion of truth another time. It's always fresh. The second thing is that the Bible, God's Word, is never obsolete. If you go to a library, many libraries will contain back rooms where you can find, find all and old obsolete textbooks. And in recent years, many scientific discoveries and observations have made that dozens, even hundreds of books actually become obsolete. The Word of God, friend, is always living, it is active and it is sharp. And 1 Peter 1 verse 25 says, the Word of our Lord endures forever. The Word of God is for now, friend. And the Logos Word, the written typed Word of God can also become the now living active rhema of Word of God when Holy Spirit prompts us and sets our hearts on fire through the process of illumination and the Word that was written thousands of years ago can speak to my now. I remember once I was in a difficult place, wrestling with self-confidence. God had asked me to do something and I was trying to move into that. And I, just the mocking voices and the self-doubt was screaming at me. I remember one day reading Romans 8.31, which says this, if God is for me, who can be against me? And I remember just walking up in the house, 1am in the morning, I used to do it three or four mornings a week. If God is for me, who can be against me? If God is for me, who can be against me? Come and join with me now. If God is for me, who can be against me? One more time. If God is for me, who can be against me? And that, that, that verse built faith and it built courage within me. Faith comes from hearing and hearing of the Word of God. So I hope for you today, if someone's lacking some courage, you felt encouraged by that Word. God is for you. He is not against you. The Bible also contains a series of grand themes and big ideas and a series of theologies. Now, I'm not going to get too deep here. Although I've privilege in this season to lead a Bible college, and I noticed today I'm not going to use any Hebrew or Greek. I'm not here to impress you. I'm here to inspire you that God is giving us a call for us to be devoted to His Word because it will change your life. Here's a big idea across 66 books of the Bible. Here's, if you want to sort of wrap it up in one big summary, I've got it coming up on the screen now. God's plan for our, I know, must have missed it. That's right. I'll read it out. It says here, God, the single story is this. It tells us about God, 
about ourselves, about the world we live in. The Bible tells us why God created the world, how it became broken, his intentions for fixing it, and how he's going to fix us. One of the reasons I'm devoted to God's word is because it gives me hope. And can I say, friends, without embracing God's story of hope, our lives can remain disconnected and purposeless. And I'm here, we can be here one day and gone tomorrow with no particular meaning to our life. And the Bible across almost 1,200 chapters has a series what I call meta-narratives, big ideas, some big themes, and some of them include things like this. God, Ben was, Pastor Ben was right this morning. God is a revealing God. He's a God of self-revelation. And all through the Bible, he's revealing his character, his love for mankind, his plans and his purposes. The Bible contains themes of creation, God's provision, judgment, deliverance, his covenant, his promises, the agreements that he's made with mankind. The Bible sees what happens to mankind in, in light of God's nature, his estrangement, uh, God's right, righteousness, His faithfulness, His mercy and His love. These are big grand themes that you'll only find in its purest form in the Bible. The major themes included across the biblical narrative relate to man's rebellion, his estrangement from God and even our, our perversions. The major theme of the Bible includes God's gracious works. For example, man's redemption, man's forgiveness, God's reconciliation, God's gifts of grace, the new life, the coming kingdom and the establishment of heaven, the final consummation of man's hope that when we die and eternity kicks in, when we said yes to Jesus, we're transported, translated to heaven to, to be with him. We only find these grand big ideas, friends, by reading his word deeply and by being devoted to his, his word. You'll find the underlying theme is of man's sinful nature, the fallen nature and God's plan to restore man back into relationship. There's 1,200 chapters in the Bible. Only the first two and the last two uh, don't mention the idea of the fallen nature and God's plan somehow to, to reconcile man back into a loving relationship with Him. You see the themes of God rewarding faith and obedience you see that God places a premium on holy living. You see that God is the rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. You see the wonderful theme of Jesus Christ all the way, this theme of revelation through 66 books. You see that the answer is Jesus and you see that God, Jesus, Father and Holy Spirit, He came to earth to be an example for us. It's a wonderful thought. One of the biggest themes that I've, I've particularly became aware of in recent years is God's plan for flourishing. And I think I've got something on the screen here. It's a, one, it's, a wonderful, it's a wonderful thought that you and I are meant to be living a life that God has planned and destined us for. I've become to realise when I grew up, I thought that God was a cosmic killjoy in heaven, shooting down lightning bolts, zapping people who were out of alignment with His plan. And what was it? Like we were zapped if we were naughty. But when you read the grand theme, one of the grand themes is that God has a plan for deep satisfaction and for us to enjoy life that God has created for us. The Bible uses the word peace. I am using a bit of Hebrew. Shalom. Shalom, the word God. If the blessing prayer in, in number six is, may God look you full in the face and make you prosper. 
There's a plan that God wants us to live life in full stride, head held high, no shame, no guilt, looking in dynamic relationship with God and drawing from His life-giving flow. When you understand that narrative, the brokenness of humanity pales in significance with the goodness and the resource of God. Some of you have grown up in church a long, long time and you're offended by that Bethel song that God wants to come down and give you a sloppy, wet kiss. But I know that one of the things, the big narratives of the Bible is this. God's into renewal, revival, restoration, making broken things better again, bringing dead things back to life. And in the church, there was a season then where God said, I'm being, God the Father said, I'm being misrepresented. And, he, and he, he brought a revival in Toronto in the early 1990s and everybody fell back in love with God the Father because that flows back with his grand idea that God wants to give us a life of flourishing, meaning and purpose. Can I say this? And I'm going to move on to the next thing. I didn't want to make this like a Bible college lecture. But can I just say you need to understand the grand themes of God because sometimes you can grab one Bible verse and pull it out and cherry pick it and literally you can get the Bible to say whatever you want if you just cherry pick one verse. When we are devoted to God's Word, friend, when we read the Word of God deeply and differently, you start to get to see the richness and the flavours that God's Word has given us so that it can help us build a life of satisfaction, value and benefit for other people. It's a wonderful thought. When you understand the grand narratives, even of flourishing, it can give you confidence in the workplace tomorrow. And you don't have to be a punching bag for other co-workers in the staff room when they're having a go, an ignorant go about God and what they think the Bible says and what it doesn't say. When you understand the grand narratives, you can understand, you can have confidence, you can be on the front foot. I'm following a God, I'm following a book that literally has got the blueprint for humanity and the life that we're meant to be living. All of a sudden, difficult issues that we face, things like gender and identity and dysphoria and homosexuality and woke theology, all of that, all that is just sits underneath these grand ideas that God has got an overarching plan for the wholeness of, of humanity. So this is why I encourage us to be devoted to God's Word and so that we can live in, in alignment with His purposes. Look at these verses here, Psalm 119, verse 60. The sum of your word is truth and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. Look at the next one, Proverbs 30 verse 5. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in Him. It's a wonderful thought that God's word, when we're devoted, when it's inside us, it is living and it is active and it is changing us to become more and more like Jesus. Can I encourage you this year, for some of you as you're boldly going on a church 21 day fast, I admire any group of people who does that. Can I say the amount of people you get involved in, well, so there'll be a proportionate result in the power that this church needs this year to see people set free. So if you're on the border about whether you're gonna fast or not, can I encourage you, Get a version of the fast that you, that you can work with and, and partner because in October, there could be people coming in here need change-breaking prayer. And that, those things will only be breaking with, through prayer potency, all right? It's a new anointing that's needed to break some of the difficult things that are in our society and people's lives at the moment. There's a sense that even this year, 
you may choose after this message, say, God, I choose for 2023. I choose in the next 21 day fast, God, I wanna read your word through a different lens. I don't wanna read it just for information. God, I want this word to transform me so that it dwells deeply in my heart, right to the very core, to the will. And some of you might be quite challenged and you think, God, does the word of God really want me to do that or to say that? Friend, every promise that God gives, there's always life and victory at the end of what he asks us to do. And so when the word of God dwells deeply within us, that can be a tremendous place of power. The Apostle Paul talked about this in the book of Colossians. I've got something on the screen now, Colossians 3, verse 16. I've got a couple of different versions there. The Amplified says this, Let the word spoken by Christ the Messiah have its home in your hearts and minds and dwell in you in all its richness. Good stuff, eh? Look what the contemporary English version says. Let the message of Christ completely fill your lives. The message is, let the word of Christ, the message, have the run of the house. Give it plenty of room in your lives. The NIV says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The Passion says this, let the word of Christ live in you richly, flooding you with all wisdom. And the Philip says, let Christ's teachings live in your heart, making you rich in the true, true wisdom. This is the essence of God's call for us to be devoted to His Word. Can the Word of God, friend, in 2023 have run of your life, have run of of your heart? Imagine if the Word of God, the nugget, the seed of truth, took seed, the implanted Word of God in your life and heart, took seed. Imagine what the harvest of life and power is going to come through your life. I'm going to drop my microphone in a moment because I'm going to bring out an A.W. Tozer quote. All right, you ready for it? Because I know if I quote Dallas Willard or A.W. Tozer, I'm moving towards a high distinction report on my preaching. Have a guess what Tozer says here. The Word of God, well understood and religiously obeyed, is the shortest route to spiritual perfection. And we must not select a few favourite passages to the exclusion of others. Nothing less than a whole Bible can make a whole Christian. It's a wonderful thought. I dropped my mic now, yeah. It's a wonderful thought. A deep devotion to the Word of God is a powerful thing. Now, can I, can I give you a really practical activity? And when I did this last week at Elevation, Gold Coast, I had to move out of the way because the cameras got out. Because I want to show you a little key that you can use in your Bible reading. But for some of you, the level of your devotion to God's Word is, is linked to your level of your understanding, your ability to read and understand God's Word. Can I say this lovingly as a pastor? Learning how to read the Bible accurately is a skill that every believer, that every follower of Jesus Christ needs to develop over time. It's like a muscle. And at CMC, insert cheesy plug right now, we've got a course on a Monday night, biblical interpretation and application. We focus not only on the head knowledge, but we wanna focus on a heart transformation and it comes out through your hands and then you are known by your habits as a Bible-believing, Bible-application follower of Jesus Christ person. I know there's an information session. We're going to have a bit of a huddle over here. So I encourage you. It's not a sales pitch per se. But whatever it takes this year, get into a version 
365-day plan. Do a 30-day Bible shred. They're all over Instagrams at the moment. Wherever it takes, get the Word of God to you to a whole nother level so that we can read and interpret. Here's little nine things or nine questions that you can ask yourself as you read the Word of God after this service that will help you to take your level of application and understanding of the Bible to a whole nother level. Ask these questions of the text you're reading. Is there an example for me or for us to follow? Is there a sin to avoid? Is there a promise to claim? Is there a prayer to repeat? Is there a command to obey? Is there a condition to meet? Is there a verse to memorise? Is there an error to mark? Is there a challenge to face? Friends, this will take your Bible reading to the next level. I encourage you, read the Word of God through the lens of Holy Spirit, coach me, teach me what truth are you trying and value are you trying to get into my life today. I guarantee it will help you. So three little quick things I want to show you. How can we tell? How can we tell that we are devoted to God's Word? I'm going to give you three quick evidences as we, as we move to a time of, time of prayer. Number one, I ask you this. Let's value God's Word. Value. In, in the book of Psalms, there's this wonderful word that's used and it's called a scribe. Many times it's referred to a scribe. Now, for some of you who, of us who grew up in church a couple of decades ago, there's a great song. Ascribe greatness to our God, the rock. His way is perfect and all his ways are just. Ascribe. Ascribe. It's a theme of the Bible, which means this. It means to attribute, to assign, to give the credit for, to give weight to. Can I say, friends, quickly that what, what I regard or what I attribute, whatever I give weight or importance to, whatever I meditate on, whatever I focus on, has great power in your and my life. Whatever I give credit to lets me know what I value and what I believe and believe to be true. What I ascribe value to has a voice in my life. It has permission. And as we read the Word of God, it will challenge our allegiances to some of the things that we believe and that we put our hope in and that we put our faith in. Often you can tell where you're at in the area of the level of ascribing or how much does the Word of God have authority in your voice is during a crisis. During a crisis, you move often to reflex actions or action responses and that lets you know really what you worship and what you, and what you value. God's Word can speak into the difficult situations and it can bring faith and it can bring hope. And I love the thought that God's now Word can bring breakthrough if we allow it to and if we ascribe greatness and value and let it have authority and permission in our life. I remember a friend of mine, a businessman, someone who mentored me in my early accounting days. And he would get up early. He said, Andrew, you've got to get up early in the morning and you've got to break the flesh early in the day. Let the Word of God speak to you, young man. Yes, Mike. I remember he was up early one day seeking a Word of God from the Bible because his son Paul was about to have surgery. He had a brain tumour. Now, Dr Lee Atkinson, who was the chief neurosurgeon in Queensland at the time, said to Mike, Mike, Paul's going under the knife. I need you and Wendy to prepare for the worst. That morning, 
Mike had received a word from God from the Bible. And he had a faith and a confidence in his heart. When Dr. Lee Atkinson said, Mike, you and Wendy need to prepare for the worst, you know what he said? Noted, but not accepted. (laughs) Noted, but not accepted. My mentor, Mike, man who helped disciple me, he showed me this powerful principle that when we value the Word of God and put it in a high priority, we let it have the final voice in the circumstances and what God is wanting to lead us in. The second thing is this one. We listen to God's Word. We listen to God's Word. Friends, some of our lives are so busy and so distracted, we can't even hear God's voice. One of the grand meta-narratives is this. God is always revealing himself to humankind and he does it in 10 major ways and I can't can't talk about that now. But for some of us in the 21-day fast, this is what you'll find. You'll actually slow down so you can go fast. One thing I love about a fast is this. It just slows down. It's like my life is in slow motion. You find there's a, a peeling back of every other input into our life and all of a sudden some of you are going to go I can hear the voice of God because you know what you're doing you're positioning yourself to increase the bandwidth for God to speak to you I'd encourage you use this time powerfully to listen to God's word to clear the clutter and to be receptive to the voice of God it's a wonderful passage many of you may have read it's in 1 Samuel uh, 3 coming up on the screen now. This is the scene here. You've got a boy, Samuel, in the temple, and it says this, The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli, and in those days the word of the Lord was rare. There was not many visions. What a sad time to be in. You know what that says? God, it was like nobody was listening to God who was always talking. There was no revelation. There's no prophetic uh, declaration of what God had on His heart goes through a series of three times he hears the voice of God and then we go right to the end of that chapter and this is, this is what it says. So Eli told Samuel, verse 9, Go and lie down and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And then verse 10, The Lord came and stood there, calling as the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. For some of you today, this may be your challenge to provide more evidence that you are fully devoted to God's Word speaking in your life. Where today you say, God, I choose today to listen to your voice, to position myself on the right frequency to receive the very words, wisdom and the oracles of heaven to come into our life. Some of you may choose to decide today, I choose to listen with an attitude of obedience so much so that the Word of God will come in and you say, what do I need to do to respond and activate that within the next 24 hours? Some of you may decide they want to listen with a view to action and application. Friends, the spirit realm around your life will be speaking to you. There's a powerful story by a young man yesterday talking about overcoming. And he had demonic visitations into his world. There's people, some of you are bombarded. There's stuff speaking to you and you need to use the Word of God to speak back to that. Remember the first time I was appointed to a leadership role, there was a demonic presence in my room. 
I could feel it across my neck trying to strangle me. Like the only thing I could remember was my grade eight Sunday school lesson. The answer's always Jesus. So I said, Jesus. And it went. Okay, it came back two weeks later. I remember the faith I had in the Word of God. Two weeks later, I saw it again. I could feel it in the room. I said, we've spoken about this before. Go in Jesus' Name. So God will coach you around this thing to listen to the voice of God, to be responsive to the Word of God. The third thing is this one is, we are to become God's Word. Here is another evidence, another sign that you are devoted fully to the Word of God when you actually become God's Word. Do the people around you see you so full of God in your relationship that what overflows is what comes out of your mouth? Do you speak words of life and faith and breakthrough? When someone shares a difficult thing, we do the the empathy thing. And then you say, can I pray with you about that? I believe that God wants to speak in that situation like He's spoken in the difficult things in my life. Friends, we can become God's Word when we use God's Word and we speak it boldly. I've got a whole message on this, but here's one verse I'm gonna cherry pick right now, but it's part of God's grand meta-narrative to speak to us. Look at Isaiah 55, verse 10 and 11. It says this, As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. Verse 11, So is my word that goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. God's Word spoken is powerful. Many of you remember the great healing evangelist um, through Africa, Ron Hart Bonnke. Young in ministry, he said, God, I've got nothing to say. It was promised to him like Samuel. Ron Hart, none of your words will fall to the ground. And he had this revelation from interaction with God. God said to him, Ron Hart, my word in your mouth is just as powerful as if I spoke it myself. So friends, an evidence, a hallmark of our level of devotion to God is, is the Word of God, is God's Word on our lips speaking life to those people around us? Do not nudge your neighbour right now, but for some of you, God is speaking deeply. I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to watch what comes out of my mouth because I want to be known as a person who is devoted to God's Word. Can we stand? Let me pray. Let me pray. Thank you, God. God, you've gave man the ability to name animals and to create. It's a wonderful thought. It's a wonderful thought. God, your word challenges in Colossians 3 that the word of God is to dwell deeply and to dwell richly in our hearts and minds. We, your people here this morning, a Sunday morning, the 5th of February, want to make a fresh commitment, God, to be devoted to your word in 2023. We want to be known as a people who value your word. We want to be known as a people who listen to your word. We want to be a people who become God's word and the overflow touches those people around us. So, God, I pray that you'll help us. God, you are the source 
of everlasting truth. God, You are good, You are wise, and You've revealed Your wisdom to us through Your Word, the Bible. God, we thank You for Your truth because it is truly a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Help us as Your church, God, to treasure Your words, to value Your words. God, I pray that we will live by every word that has come out of Your mouth and is recorded in the pages of the Bible. God, I pray You'll help us to store up the Word of God in our hearts that we may not sin against You, that we may live a life worthy of the cross of Jesus Christ. Help us to follow Your paths and to obey Your commands. We notice be our people of the Word. We are devoted to Your Word. And all God's people said, Amen, Amen and Amen.